were gone to find out if it was a boy or girl five months into the pregnancy. And the lady's scanning, and she's like, that's a head, that's a backbone. Looks like it's holding a ball. What is that over there? And the nurse scans over, and she says, that's another head. I'm not qualified for twins. She literally left <laughs> like huh just kidding we were in shock i only have one nine really and i keep it on top but if you look at it it looks like it starts to dematerialize (laughs) take a girl and a guy and they fall madly in love and form a family sprinkle in some counseling degrees and a doctorate a dream of transforming relationships as we know it and 20 years later we give you power couple dr ray and Jean Ketkodian. And this is their podcast, Couples Synergy. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Couples Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean. Hi, I'm Dr. Ray. And I'm Jean. And this is our podcast about love, marriage, and relationships. Please check us out online at couplesynergy.com or on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Couple Synergy. And please subscribe to our podcast, leave us a review, or send us any suggestions on topics you'd like to hear more about. And now on to Couple Synergy, an in-depth look at love, marriage, and relationships, where we bring you our experience helping thousands of couples transform their relationships for over 25 years. You know, everyone says you should work on your relationship, but nobody teaches us how. So we've created this podcast to teach people what they can do to create the relationship they've always dreamed of. With the partner they fell in love with. On today's episode, we welcome Wes and Natalie Isley. They're magicians performing over 400 shows per year. They're co-hosts of the podcast Magic Life, which is now also a TV show in syndication nationwide. They are co-founders of the nonprofit The Magic of giving project and fun fact Wes is such a great magician that he fooled Penn and Teller on the show fool us yeah is that cool so welcome Wes and Natalie thank you so much for being on our podcast today thanks for having us so I I hope I pronounced your name right the last name there you did great you didn't even ask me beforehand I'm like wow he did really well you did <laughs> that's awesome yeah you know I, my last name is always butchered so I, I I'm always key to make sure I get people's names right. I do a joke about it at the opening of my show, and I butcher it myself on purpose several times, and then I I tell them the right thing. But hopefully that helps them remember how to say it correctly. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we want to get into all of the great things you guys are doing. Before we do that, why don't you guys tell our audience a little bit about yourselves? How old are you? How long have you guys been been doing magic together and how long have you been together as a couple i'll let you take all of that yeah right well (laughs) wes is 46 i'm 39 and we got married in 2008 may of 2008 so 15 and a half years married we were together since the end of 2005 so a couple years dating before that and when i graduated college in 2006 i still didn't know what i wanted to do so i just kind of ask him if I could join him and I didn't know if it'd be long term or not, but so far it's stuck. So we're still doing magic together. Yeah. We I put her in the office at first and she just tagged along at shows. And yeah. slowly but surely she became an uh, integral part of my shows. So yeah. That's really cool. How did you guys meet? Uh he was doing close up magic at a restaurant that I was waitressing at when I was uh in college. So and she's I say about a foot taller than me, so I was just 
just inviting a cute girl out to dinner, not thinking it would be a relationship. But when we sat down, we were the same height, yeah. and uh, we hit it off. And it was there was no pressure in that date night on that on that dinner that night because I didn't think it was going to go anywhere. I was just inviting Neither a friend. One out. of us thought it was going to go anywhere. And I was like, I will never marry or date anybody who is shorter than me. But sure, I'll go to dinner. Why not? <laughs> what's the what's the height difference for real though? I'm five ten, five five inches. Five inches. Yeah. But when I hug her, her boobs in my ear. That's what I tell people. So it feels like she's a. <laughs> It's but, the uh, little things that matter, right? But uh, she said that uh, she had a de degree in religion, and she said, "What am I going to do with this? Work in a church basement? Can I come work for you?" So um, I put her in the office, and people really loved her. And um, when you're on the road doing as many shows as I do, the road time is the worst. You know, being on the road traveling is boring. Doing the show, there's nothing like it in the world. But the going to and the from and the dealing with the traffic and you're trying to hurry to get to the show, you're getting stuck in traffic and you're trying to set up, trying to take down now because now there's a janitor waiting for you to get out. Everybody else has already left. The contacts already left. They're just waiting on you. It's always rush, rush, rush. And then it's back to the car. Now you drive home. So now I had somebody to share that with, but um, we had dinner afterwards and we could make it more fun just the entire time. So it was always fun. What was it about each other that you fell in love with? Yeah. It was just easy. I, I just, it was easy. There were no, you know, people play these games and everything, and there was none of that. It was just easy. I was, it found him really easy to talk to, really fun, funny, you know. It was one of those weird things that when we started dating, it was just, we were inseparable. Um, yeah. I mean, not until last year was I away from her for more than two days. I went to a magic convention, and we had just had twins. And she said, go ahead, honey, because I pulled Penn and Teller. And Penn and Teller were performing at the convention, and they invited me. But we couldn't take infant twins with us. And I was like, mm, I want to go to the convention. They're going to mention my name on stage. They're talking about me. I want to be there. And that was the first time we were actually away from each other, more than just a few hours. Yeah. Were you doing – you were doing magic before you guys met? Yeah. I've okay. been doing magic 10 or 13 years. Um professionally before we met so i was doing a lot of birthday parties and county fairs and doing restaurants nine restaurants six days a week wow that's that's pretty something how, how did you get into doing magic i wanted to do movie magic uh when i was a little kid i wanted to do like special effects uh, my dad had a video store and i loved the horror movies and um uh, I just thought that was art that was putting makeup on people that was making the costumes, making the masks move and things. And Terminator two came out in high school and uh, it just changed the game. It's all going to be CGI. I can't imagine sitting behind a desk 80 hours a week. I, I do not want to do that. That just feels like you're trapped. So um, I thought I'd give magic a try. I've always loved magic, always played with magic, but I didn't know anybody else that was full time that I could emulate and a road to follow. So I got a degree in marketing because I had to promote myself. I couldn't afford a, an agency to help promote me. So I uh, went to school, got a degree in marketing, and just did the best I could. And uh, those 13 years were great. It was great years. But money and business and everything just blew up after Natalie came on board. She really, really helped in every way. That's, that's really cool. We kind of have a similar experience with um, as soon as we met – and we worked together, and when one of us would change jobs, the other one would 
changed jobs and until we started our own business. So we've always been together. So we always get the question, like, how do you stand it? What would you guys say to that? I don't understand when people are like, I can't stay home with my wife and my husband. I got to go get a job. I don't get it. Like, this is the person that you said you're going to spend the rest of your life with. Don't you want more time with them? So I don't know. I just, I find myself too. I don't know. Maybe we're too codependent because it's like, (laughs) it's like when we have a day where we're in the same house, but we're doing things like outside chopping wood or something. And I'm inside with the kids and running the office or, you know, and we just kind of pass by each other. By nighttime, I'm like, okay, come on. We haven't seen each other all day, I feel like, even though we've passed each other. I'm like, we need we need some time here. You got to come hang out with me. So I don't, uh, I don't know how to respond to those people because it's like, I, I don't know. I love them. I like hanging out with them. I like being with them. I don't know. My uncle uh, was our on-the-road babysitter. When we do illusions, I'm putting her in a box and cutting the box in half and I have a little toddler on the stage just sitting there watching us. But while she's in the box and I'm performing, we can't watch her. So just for that 30 seconds, that four-minute routine, we need a babysitter all day long. So my uncle came along with us. And the reason he came along with us, he had just retired. And he said, I can't stay at home with my wife all day. I need to be out. I need to do something. And we were like, wow, wow. But I mean, I hear one of the lines I have in my show <clears throat> is we travel around with a cast of six. It's my wife, my daughter, and myself. And then uh, I have identical three-year-old boys and a live-in babysitter, and we travel around in an RV. And there's one thing that drives me crazy that leads into the next routine. And I have the audience play along. What do you think drives me crazy being on the road with my family 400 shows a year? And people, you're on the road with your wife all day. That would drive me crazy. The kids yelling all day. No, they have TV, DVD players, 300 DVDs, uh, a kitchen, a bathroom. They're content. They're fine. It's not that at all. So, yeah. I love it. What is it? Experience that that misery, that that travel is the worst. But now yeah. I'm trying to get the best I can because now we have Everything. a brand new RV. Now we have an RV pulling a trailer, and it's like taking her home with you. Every comfort of home is there. If I want a cup of coffee, she just makes it in the microwave. If I need a soda, if I need a snack, it's right there. Uh, the bathroom, traffic doesn't bother us anymore. We have the and we get to have our kids with us too. And then you got to have a space to sew her back together after you cut her in half. Okay. He needs me to help pack up, so he always puts me back together. Yeah, we live like that, too, and um, I, I couldn't imagine living in a different way. You know, we don't travel without each other. We don't, We you know, we do a lot of stuff together, and we do, you know, when we're working, we're in separate places in the same house, and, we, and you do, you don't really see each other, you know, like all the time, but, um, yeah, why would I not want to share what I'm going through with my best friend. There was a, a great quote that a magician had on a, on a it was like a, a magic it was a magic documentary DVD. Yeah. And he said that uh, my wife and I've been married for 50 years. And at this point they were like our age. And they were like, what are you talking about? You're not even 50 years old. Yeah. But most couples only see each other four hours a day. If they're lucky, we're together for 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We've put that time in that we've been married 50 years. So that's kind of Natalie and I. I'll tell you what, couples are seeing each other much less than four hours a day. You know, a lot of times the couples that we work with, they'll spend less than an hour a week with each other. It, it's it's pretty bad, actually. Without kids yeah. and without screens. Yeah. But here's the thing. I don't. I'm always questioning how normal people do it because I only know my world and with my blinders on, 
how do you how do you go to work 80 hours a week 50 hours a week whatever it is going to two different jobs getting the kids dressed getting them to school getting them home making dinner doing dinner doing homework doing all this and then games on the weekend and all this stuff how do you how does it I don't know, it's crazy i don't understand it yeah, but they, have- they look like they're in combat actually yeah they <laughs> look pretty haggard thing. people ask us the same thing how do you do 400 shows a year with your family on the road we, we homeschool um, and that's what that's why we started. I'm not trying to segue into promotion, but that's why we started our television show to show people how we do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and also because we do 400 shows a year, we're recording constantly, passing the camera back and forth, and I'll edit it on the weekend and get it up on a Sunday morning for the blog. I don't remember it unless it's on video because it's so fast. Life is a blur, and um, I've got to see my kids grow up over the years. I've got to see my little girl's 12 now. Um, but I have video of her from two and a half pushing the cart, helping us load in to small shows when we didn't have a babysitter. It's just us three all the way up to her 12th birthday. It's it's pretty amazing. And I got weekly footage of that just so I can edit that down to make the television show. It's pretty awesome. It is really awesome. It sounds like you've created your life the way you want it to be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're only here once. I lost my dad when I was 25 and um, mm. I saved up money and bought a big camcorder. It was like $700, but when I was 25, that was a lot of money. And um, I'm videotaping him, not like making a death video, but it was. But I was like, you know, Dad, hey, you got anything to tell me? Tell me something. And he just sitting on the side of the bed and just kind of huffed, and he's like, life is short. And he was dead a week later. And it's like, that—that that is the that is something that lives in my head. I see that as a flash daily. So I try to I try to love my kids as much as I can. Anytime I feel like I've been at my computer too long, I'll jump uh, jump the little baby gate and go over there and hug my babies and just love them and play with them and you know take time out and go outside and play with them and just try to break work and family up because life is short. I mean, seems like I was in high school yesterday. He's that's a perfect quote because it's so true. It's a blink, man. Yeah, there's uh, <clears throat> you know several years back. Uh, several years, maybe like fifteen years. Now. Ain't life short? Yeah, they, uh, there was a billboard. It was put up in in Chicagoland area mm-hmm. by a um, a divorce attorney, and she had this scantily clad guy on one side, scantily clad woman on the other side. And the billboard said, "Life's short, get a divorce." And we put up a another billboard in response, and the billboard was, "Life short, your marriage doesn't have to be." Yeah, we had a picture of a couple getting married and then an old couple dancing. And, you know, I think what what you guys are saying is like um, when you don't see your your partner all the time, I think you create a double life. And I think you lose a part of who you are as well. When you have someone witnessing your life every day and all day, I think it helps you see yourself and know yourself at, at a way deeper level than, you know, I have this eight hour or plus thing I'm doing and I come home and my partner doesn't even know what I've been doing all day and I don't know what they've been doing all day and there's no time to really even catch up on that and it it has not looked to us like that really helps your mental wellness and your emotional wellness and you know people were designed to live like this we've always lived as families and communities and and the travel to and from shows last night's show was three hours from home that's a lot of windshield time to just hang out and talk to my wife. Yeah. You listen to podcasts, but we'll pause it. And how do you feel about that? What do you think about that? And then we'll push. I mean, we just, we're constantly together. Yeah. Uh, 
Kevin, did either of you get um, feedback from your families, you know, that your life was going to be this way, you know, traveling and doing all these shows? Your family, probably. What in my family? Yeah, your family was worried that... Yeah, uh, well, yeah, my mom was a little worried when I started working with him. Um, my dad was a little bit more laid back. She was just more worried about, like, you know, he's... He's a magician. He's doing magic shows. Is that going to last? That's not a, that's not a safe job, I guess. That you can. What if what if magic shows dry up? What are you going to do? And my dad was like, "Well, she just graduated college. If there's any time for her to try anything, it's now." And um, you know, here we are, however many years later, still going. So, yeah. No, and you know, I think there. And I think his mom was the same way when he started off, when I hear all the stories um, of applications being given to him, like, hey, you know, because, you know, starting off, he's only doing a couple shows here and there, and his mom's giving applications, and he's like, no, I don't want to, I don't want a real job, I want to keep doing this. And by the time I met him, she was like his biggest fan. I mean, she was rooting him on, coming to as many shows as she could come to. So proud of how much he'd grown and how much he'd done. So it turned around. She got to see theater shows. But I think that's moms, though. Yeah, she she saw me struggling doing one birthday party a month. And I mean, when I was starting out, I mean, I was charging $25 a show. Borrowing mom and dad's car. But I was 15 years old, 16 years Mm -hmm. old. I was just happy to be working. I was wearing a full tuxedo producing doves and rabbits you know for tommy's sixth birthday but then when she saw me doing theater shows and she saw me you know uh, working a I was, lot. my restaurants i was making more money than both my mom and dad combined and that freed up i still had saturday and sunday mornings or saturday and sundays available to do magic shows for kids birthday parties or company parties and things like that so even that money that i was making during the week doing restaurants that was way more than mom and dad could imagine. Plus I was also doing shows. So it was, they were, they were, they were dumbfounded how much money I was making. They they loved it. Yeah. And you know, we've, we've watched some of your guys stuff and you look like you're having fun. You look like you love what you do. It's a passion. It's, you know, it's like, how could you not do this? And it's such a blast. You know, and that's really awesome after all these years to have that, that passion. I love it so much. It's it's one of those things. We just talked about it yesterday. Uh, on our podcast, there was a guy that was talking about performing for someone that was uh, dying. And you can just take them out of that for a minute. You know, we've done children's hospitals. And um, they just, they used to tell me when I was 18, that's Tommy. He'll probably won't be here next week. Go perform for him. But now with HIPAA laws, they don't tell you anything. So you don't know what you're walking into. They're just like, Tommy's 14, Go. You walk into Tommy's room, Tommy's got a tracheotomy tube in, his eyes are rolled back in his head. You're not supposed to perform for him, but they don't tell you that. You're performing for his family. So I'm at Tommy's feet, and I'm doing magic for his his uh, little sister and his mom and dad. And um, when I walked in there, huh, and they kind of looked up, I did some magic, and they were giggling, they were having fun, they were laughing. And as I went to leave, the dad put his shoulder on my back and walked me out and said, you know, last night was Christmas. We just found out my son was sleigh riding. He'll be paralyzed the rest of his life. I didn't think mm-hmm. you could take this out of that, but boy, you it felt like the heat in the room turned on, the lights turned on. But we're able to do that on a daily basis. Last night's show was for a school fundraiser. There was over 400 people there. You don't know. Somebody could have just got diagnosed with cancer. Somebody could have just lost their parents. Somebody just might have found out their 
grandma went to hospice, mom and dad, you don't know what they're going through, but for that 45 minutes, you take them out of it. And what a, what an amazing opportunity I have, but I'm having a blast doing it. It's just, I'm so lucky. I get to do this for a living. Is that what, what uh, prompted starting the nonprofit? So our nonprofit started, uh, yeah. I mean, doing the, doing the children's hospital and just loving that so much. And one of the things about charity work, boy, pack everybody up and take them out and do some charity work. I got to pack up my whole family to do this for nothing. I'm not getting paid for this. What is the goal here? Well, you get more out of it than you give. It's it's crazy. We performed at a, a, a soup kitchen, and uh, it was a local church, and uh, I had a contact with them, and I said, hey, can I come do something? They had a lot of homeless people there. It was around Thanksgiving, and my daughter and my wife served, and I just did uh, close-up magic, walking around, entertaining everybody, and it was just it was such a blast and it made Thanksgiving even more memorable that year. Cause it's like, yeah, look at what we have. Look at, you know, they had a, a piece of cornbread and a piece of Turkey and that was their Thanksgiving. And they were so thankful and so blessed to have that and look at all we have. And my little girl, I got to experience that and show that to my little girl because we homeschool. I want to show her all aspects of the world. I want to, I want to, you know, we walk down the streets of Vegas yeah. and these girls with the little pasties on with the big feathers and they're turning around. I'm like, no, honey, she's 12. That that's a, that's somebody's life decision right there, honey. Right. Uh, I don't, I mean, I'm not trying to show her that and push her in that direction. Look, look, look. But that is another, you know, people at these parties that, that are drinking too heavily. Uh, well, they have alcohol. You can't bring her. No, she needs to see people that don't know how to handle their liquor. We're just trying to educate her because I think that's our job. But what does she think about traveling and being on the road for all these shows? It's all she knows. Yeah. She's been doing yeah. it since she was, uh, what was hers? Yeah. What was hers, though? Four days. Four days. She started four days old, and my boy started <laughs> seven days old. It my boy's a hard time. You guys had it easy. I had to start way before you did. <laughs> but, you know, when they're that little, all they're doing is really taking a bow with the babysitter. We just show them. It's like a like a Lion King. Oh, We're no. just kind of yeah. showing the baby at the end of the show. Look what we have, you know, and take a bow. But yeah, but it's, it's, it's all she knows. I, you know, she, she talks about regular school. Um, and then we do school shows and I show her the cafeteria. I show her the classrooms. Do you really want to be sitting there eight hours a day when your school takes, you know, an hour and a half, two hours tops? It's, you know, it's, you don't really get a choice, honey, but I want to show you that's what these kids are doing. Yeah. Now, you guys live in a rural part of Virginia. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. Uh, what is it like for you guys to go from home to big cities and smaller towns? Everything is there? Is there kind of an adjustment that you guys go through? You know, because you know, for us, I mean, we we're in rural Colorado. We go to a big city. Our kids are in are in D.C. It's quite a shift for us so I, I wonder if, if that's something you guys go through too we do a lot of work in dc yeah we do it 400 shows a year so uh you know we do a theater show with five thousand people with 700 people it's all the same that that number makes no difference to my kids that are waving to the audience 500 7,000, they have no idea it's just a blob of people but it's nice to get off the road and turn off I don't have to be on out here. Um, you know, you don't have, we don't live in a neighborhood with, you know, 90 houses like my old neighborhood that, that we lived in when we first cookie, got married. Yeah, cookie Where Saturday morning you had 30 uh, lawnmowers going all at the same time. <laughs> we don't have that out here. We 
have birds, we have uh, deer, we have squirrels. I have five acres, hiking trails. Uh, you know, we have the chickens and the bunnies and the ducks. You might hear quacking in the background, but <laughs> no, it's it's nice to turn off after being on the road and and being you feel that energy of that big town, and you're able to you know settle down out here a little bit. Yeah, we moved out here from, we, we lived in the Chicagoland area, in the suburbs, and we can drive from our house 19 hours, and as soon as we hit, like, the edge of the suburbs of Chicago, you just feel the competition and the aggression, and, and there's, like, nothing in between here and there, you know, and it's it's always a little shocking, or if we fly in, too, it's just, you know, the first flight we take is people from our small little area, we're in a town of 900 people, and and everyone's polite and what and then you you hit Denver and it's like <laughs> it is really interesting to to see how that changes people to live you know with so many people around them. Well, we went to uh, Mohican Sun to do the casino up there and uh, Black Friday weekend this year, and oh. you know just going through going through Jersey and uh, New York in an RV on the on the New Jersey <laughs> people <laughs> jumping in front of you and then breaking and then you know crossing over three lanes of traffic and breaking and. It, it just the aggression of the driving it's like guys come on what is what is the road isn't that congested today you don't have to drive like crazy and then uh you know going to the thing and we're from virginia we say it's the south but it's kind of borderline but um you do notice a difference we were uh, i was carrying the animals through the um casino and my daughter is uh pulling her luggage and my wife is behind me and there was a big uh tried cerberian orchestra what is it called Trans-Siberian Orchestra was there, and there was 10,000 people in line in the middle of this mall, in the middle of the casino, and I just wanted to break right through the line and say, excuse me, I just need to go to that building right there. You guys are in the middle of the thing. And uh, the guy looked at me and said, what do you want me to do about it? Just back up a little bit, buddy. I'm just trying to get ready. I'm not putting in line, but it's just you don't have that in Virginia. Excuse me. It's just – There's a difference in culture for sure when you go – big city to out in the country i mean there's more of a community here um where we live i mean we have neighbors i say this because you can't see them but we have better relationships with these neighbors than we did when we were in the cookie cutter neighborhood if you need something you can reach out and you know somebody's going to be able to help you whereas at our old which is weird because you would think the more people there the more you would but it's like yeah it's like you put blinders on when you're in, you would think a big city, everybody, or, you know, even just a neighborhood, neighborhood, people would be like, yeah, okay, let's bind together, bond together and, and help each other out. But I found it more so out in the country where you can't. We have a Facebook group out here. So, I mean, I, hey, hunters are coming through with the dogs. Everybody get their dogs up and, you know, whatever. Or, you know, hey, I saw your driveway flooded at the, at the, bottom of the road down there i'm gonna bring my tractor over tonight is that okay is that gonna interfere with you guys i'm gonna fix that for you no thank you i'm not at home thank you they'll take pictures uh we were at church and i got a picture of a big tree that fell and it was so big the neighbor felt it when he was out in his front yard and i'm I'm getting pictures at church and the guy's like watching our property while we're gone yeah you know country living man it's it's pretty awesome yeah 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 we have the same experience and and it's it's lovely, and you need each other, yeah. and so you also tolerate each other's 
interestingness. Is that a good way to say it? I think so. We're all sort of unique, and you just go, okay, well, that's that's that person, and you kind of give everyone a pass because, yeah, maybe they have a piece of equipment that you might need one day, or you can help them. And you know, we travel a lot. Our neighbors uh, get our mail and packages and stuff, and you couldn't live without them. And it's wonderful. Yeah. It's well, we all have forty acres out here, so. We came from a neighborhood where we were jammed in to less than a quarter acre, and we know our neighbors. We're closer to our neighbors now than we were back then. So it's exactly what you're saying. I, I hear it, you know, is that we look out for each other because you have to. You know, you're, you're living out here in a rural area, and, you know, if something happens to your neighbor, it happens to you too. Right. So, yeah, that's yeah, – you know, I was, I was wondering um, – over the years, what has been the biggest challenges that the two of you have faced together? I'd say 2021 was the hardest for me. 2020? With COVID? 2020 was awful because of COVID. I was uh, not allowed to work. You weren't allowed to perform for more than 10 people. Uh, you had the uh, the virtual shows, but it, mm, it wasn't the same. But when my wife ended up in the hospital oh, okay. and spent, spent an entire summer in the hospital, that was the hardest thing I ever went through. That was the hard. I, I'm bald because of it. Um, so uh, she had a uh, gallbladder attack, and mm. they said, "Well, we need to take it out. Do you want us to do it tonight, or you want to wait for the other team to do it in the morning?" No, take it out if it needs to be taken out. And then when she got it taken out, uh, they were saying she's in pain. Well, that's gas because they had to do things. In well, there. I went. I went home, and I yeah. I, I was I had way too much pain, so I had to go back, and they couldn't figure it out for a while. So I essentially went under for surgery three times in four days. They finally figured out it was a bio leak, then they put in a stent, and then I was starting to heal from that, and then things got worse, and I ended up with pancreatitis. And so I was in the hospital for quite a long time. I finally got to go home. Finally got to mind you, our our live-in babysitter who was my niece is pretty much home with my daughter and two, at that time, one-year-old twins. And she's 18, 18 years old. Right. And I'm missing all of them. I am just, I don't want to be there. I want to be home. I finally get to go home, and he actually has to convince me to go back to the hospital because I couldn't walk from our bed to our bathroom, which is all in one area without almost passing out because I got really dizzy and my vision would go down. And so I ended up back in the hospital with blood clots in my lungs, had to stay there. And I stayed there longer because my body had gone through so much. It was it was just taking a lot longer to heal. And so I was in the hospital probably about a month. And he was coming. And of course, this is the middle of summer, our busiest season. And he's coming at nighttime and then he's going and doing shows during the day and coming back and feeling guilty that he's leaving me to do shows. And I'm telling him, no, you got to pay our bills. Even if I'm here, you got to go. And just, you know, running himself ragged so that he could be with me, which I appreciate. That was the hardest thing of my life, though, because uh, summer, 400 shows a year. And people are like, whoa, well, you don't have a day off. Well, we have 183 shows June through August on average. Yeah. So summers are mm -hmm. crazy. You got county fairs. We had one year we did 28 county fairs in one week. So, um, you know, you're at one show doing, you know, you're at one location doing eight shows a day. It gives you time off. But um, 
you know, I would I would leave her about four or six in the morning, go home, make sure all the kids have everything they need, including my babysitter. She's 18, but she's still a kid. And then um, grab my daughter and grab the animals, load up in the RV and do the shows for the day, whatever we have. And then come home, unload the animals, feed the animals, make sure they have food, and then fly to the hospital, be with my wife, to sleep on that plastic sofa for over 30 days. It was the hardest thing I ever went through in my life. And then I love her with all my heart. So it was just, I'm constantly calling her, checking on her when I'm on the road and getting back to her. And, um, you know, it all made sense when uh, Britney Spears had that incident where she was uh, going through some kind of manic depression or something and she shaved her head. That was the only thing I could control. I got home from a, a resort at three in the morning. We had It was five hours away. It was in uh, Upper Maryland. And um, I got home in the middle of the night. That was that was a time where I couldn't get back to Natalie. The only okay. time I couldn't get back to you that time. Your yeah, dad slept with you that night. And um, and I got home and I'm like, I'm 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 worried about getting a haircut, a dye job. I had a spot forming, and she was putting little powder on my head to try to fill to make it look normal. And I I need a haircut. My back hair is connected. My back, my neck hair. You know, how it is. <laughs> I awful. It's gross. No one else knows, but it's bothering me. And I just said, you know what? I can wear a hat to shows. I don't even care. I just want my wife. Why do I care? And I was like, hey, my head's not misshapen. And that's that's how I ended up bald. But it was all, it was it was 100%. It was the dressed I've ever been in my life. So Natalie's the better magician. She made your hair disappear. Ta-da! <laughs> <laughs> Which saved her a lot of time because she used to dye it and she used to cut it for me. So, uh <clears throat> Now we have twins. She just cut my twins' hair for the first time the other day, and it turned out really well. <laughs> so the barber, but now, now she said, "I think they're old enough now that they're three. I can try it myself," and it turned out great. So, how do you guys deal with the everyday stressors? I mean, we never turn on each other, or Baker, but how do you guys? How do you guys deal with that? We never fight, do we? It hurts. It hurts. If she's mad at me, I feel like a little kid. That I've I've just upset my mom. I feel like I've, I I can't have her mad at me. The whole world can be mad at me. I don't care, but I can't have her mad at me. So I try to do everything I can to fix that. I don't want that. I I know over the years I call it his pre-show pissy. I've had to get used to that. It's not that he's mad or anything. It's just that he is in a place right before the show where he's concentrating on whatever, and he might get snippy, and. At first, I was taking it personally. I would be like, he's mad at me all the time. <laughs> but, and I finally had to realize it's not me. That's just how he deals with right before the show. And I just, okay, fine, back off. Um, there have been a couple times where, you know, whatever, hormones, whatever you want to put it at, I haven't been in the best mood. And I'll just look at him and I'm like, I cannot put up with you right now. And he'll do something like that smile. And I'll be like, oh, I'm done. <laughs> but for the most part, I mean, it's not really a big deal. We have our disagreements, but we're together so much. It's like you can't not talk about it and figure it out. So even last night, last night was stressful because uh, it was just a cluster. It was a fundraiser, but they just threw everybody at me and said, go entertain them. And there was yeah. no organization to the school. There was no organization to anything. And it felt like it was all on me where I'm just the entertainment. That's your event. We're just hired help. Um, and then after the show, literally everyone left and the janitor sitting there looking at us. Well, it's pouring down rain. I'm parked at the other end of the football field with my RV and trailer because I couldn't park up close. And uh, I had to take a trip out and then come back. And I'm like, all right, well, 
do I need to take that little book bag for my babysitter? And she's yeah. like, I can carry it. You you were kind of loaded down on the way here. The janitor's watching us. Uh, let me take it. And then Natalie's like, well, be careful. You're, you're yeah. snipping at her. I'm, no, I'm, it's just. I'm, the thing is, I'm the janitor's used to watching. It. I'm used to him. I'm used to how he talks, his facial expressions, whatever. I'm used to it. My niece has been with us for three years, but it's still, I don't know if he's used to it or not. So I'm like, Wes, just his tone of voice and his facial expression was like he was pissy when he was talking to her. And I was like, I'm going to take him that wrong. But it was, it was, she was sitting there trying to calculate it in her head, like how she's going to carry this thing along with the two boys, along with the book bag, along with this. And the janitor's sitting there on his mop, just waiting on us. And I'm like, yeah, let me get it. Come on, come on, come on. And yeah. that's what it was. So yeah. it's just little stuff like that. Yeah. But it's little stuff. It's never anything big. Yeah, and that's really normal. Yeah. And here's the other thing. Um, you know, we talked about having kids. We had the conversations that I think a lot of people don't. Right. Before we even thought about having kids, if we had kids, we didn't think we wanted kids. Tell them that story. Yeah, at first we didn't think we wanted kids. When we were first married, we were like, nah, we don't want kids. Because all we had seen close to us were just crazy kids running, blah, like it was just chaos. And then we went to dinner with a friend who had four kids and, you know, we thought we were just going to go to dinner with him. And he was like, well, I want you to meet my wife and my kids. And we're both looking at each other going, oh, great. He brought his family with him and they were all well behaved. They were all, I mean, it just, it was. For us, a wake-up call as to, ah, it kind of has something to do with parenting. Uh, so, and how you respond. And following through. And following through, right. And so, after a while, we decided we'd have, we would try. So, we ended up with three. And we had we had one and waited a long time because it's hard on the road. Yeah, she was ready for another one right away. But it's like, what do we do on the road with another one? How does that work? Like I said, I don't have another magician friend that I can look up to that has kids on the road that is full-time, that does as many shows. How does that work? I, we have to figure that out. <coughs> so we waited long enough where I thought my daughter could help a little bit. I'm not asking her to change diapers and do this, but she can help a little bit. And uh, then she tricked me with twins. That I was that was him. all her. That's all your fault, honey. <laughs> and boy, that was scary because we knew we were pregnant. And uh, when, I, when I pulled Penn and Teller... And um, she was like four months then. March. I was. I don't know. I was. I was very, very early on. We we watched the video. I think it was pretty. Pretty. She was pretty young. Yeah. yeah. But then going into it, uh, we found out we were going to find out if it was a boy or girl five months into the pregnancy, and the lady's scanning, and she's like, "That's a head. That's a backbone." Well, Dad wants to play it. Looks like it's holding a ball. What is that over there? And the nurse scans over, and she says, "That's another head." I'm not qualified for twins. And, she, oh. and that's what we did. We literally left. We're in a pandemic, but we can't work. And we're going, oh my gosh. I was waiting for her to be like, huh, just kidding. Like, I, I was, we were in shock. We were in shock. Yeah. And then we so. sat there for 45 minutes because we literally had to wait for the doctor to come in and <clears throat> to scan because you have to make sure there's room to grow, make sure they're not conjoined, make sure this, make sure that. Yeah. So we were stuck. And I'm unemployed, not allowed to work, really. Are, are there a history of twins in either of your families? No. They're identical, <laughs> so those can be flukes. Anybody. 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 And they didn't teach me that in, in no. sex ed in school. That, that wasn't <laughs> I thought I had No. 
Yeah. So. <laughs> wow. That's wow. fun. That's fun. We have an episode of our television show. Um, we had the gender reveal scheduled for the next day. We already sent out the invites for everybody because we're finding out the day before. So we wake up the day of the party and we're like, this is not like any other gender reveal. You know, surprise, it's a boy and another one. Yay. I mean, I've never <laughs> seen a twin gender reveal before. But we did it. We did it in a magical way. Um, I have something called a tip over trunk where you tip the box over and show it empty. And um, my little girl popped out of it and it held up a sign that said it's a boy. Oh, but wait. Yeah, but wait. And then we reached in and held the sign that said twin. Oh, yeah. That's fun. We got everybody to join us in our shock the very next day. So. <laughs> but we were shocked. I mean, I remember waking up in the middle of the night. Twins are yeah, it's, it's scary. Yeah. It, it's really scary. So we saw another uh, thing that you guys were doing with, with a charity with a woman that was hiking the Appalachian Trail. And we're hikers. We do a lot of hiking. How did that fundraiser go? Tell me about it. Which one? Uh, Roxy. Oh, mm -hmm. Roxy. So Roxy uh, Valone is a manager at one of the resorts we were doing. And what she was doing, she was hiking the Appalachian Trail to raise money for her sister's charity that had passed away. Mm -hmm. And... Um, brain cancer I she ended up twisting her ankle um several times got delayed got delayed and then uh her job something happened with her job that if she didn't come back right away she wasn't going to have a job when she came back and after twisting her ankle and getting hurt so many times she said she's going to try at a later date to do the Appalachian Trail so yeah that's tough yeah. yeah I think she was I think she was really disappointed that she couldn't finish the whole thing because that was her ultimate goal was to be able to make it the whole way and so and she had worked six jobs three years leading yeah. up to it to take that year off mm -hmm. yeah <clears throat> so tell us about the uh the podcast and the tv show like what was the premise of of starting both of them so i worked on the television show the carbon arrow effect back in 2014 and i was a magic consultant an animal trainer and just working behind the scenes and doing my own show, everybody says, how do you make it work? How do you do 400 shows a year with a little girl? And how do you make it work? What does family look like? And um, I ended up getting a publicist from working on the Carbon Arrow Effect. A lady approached us, and I was like, I never thought about getting a publicist before. And we were talking, and um, it turned out that, you know, she was like, well, if you want to do your own television show, um, and I didn't want to take Carbon Arrow's idea. I wanted to do a reality show to explain what it looked like being a magician on the road 400 shows a year. And she said, well, just film it yourself. Do a vlog, and that way you have something to sell to the networks. And um, I vlogged from 2014, October 2014, through today. I mean, it's I've, I've had some dry spells where we didn't – we just took a couple months off just to get backlogged of material or just taking a break because it's every week of editing. And, um, and then I'm able to take the best of, of that and re-edit that and put in the intros and the commercials and everything and send that to the networks. So out of 289 vlog episodes, we have four seasons, five seasons of Wes Isley's Magic Life that's in syndication, Knoxville, Nashville, and Houston. And then it's on uh, Red Coral Universe and uh, Tribe and Stripes syndication networks that you can get on like... Uh, Roku or Amazon Fire and things like that. So yeah, it's doing well. I'm, I'm That's very, awesome. You know, people get to see it, you know, and it, TV isn't what it used to be. A lot of people are doing the streaming thing even more so than cable. So it's more of an opportunity to be seen. Um, and our podcast, well, we had a lot of free time during 2020. 
And uh, I was starting to listen to podcasts more and more and more. And I told Natalie, I think we have something to offer. I, you know, it's once again, more magic life. What does it look like? So the first couple of episodes is how we met and how, why do I call it a magic life? Why? Because I'm a kid living my childhood dream. I mean, I've, I've got every, I got more than I imagined ever in my life. And that sounds like it. I don't know. It's not uh, really, but I really do. I have more than I ever imagined. So our first couple episodes was how we met and, you know, our first times working together. What does she remember? And that was fun because you never play that game. You know, what? do you remember the first date? Do you remember? Yeah, I remember that. And I remember this. And that's what our first couple episodes were. Then we started taking guests. And uh, now we do uh, like three or four guests a month. And if it's a five-month week, we'll have a, a week just Natalie and I recapping the past month of what we've been doing. And uh, it's doing really well. That's awesome. That's fantastic. And and the name of the podcast, again, for people who want to It's the listen same to as it. my television show. I was just trying to brand it, make it easy. West yeah. Isley, Magic Life. Yeah, they're both the same name. Yeah. And then um, our newest project that we have right now, uh, our publicist came out of the blue and said she was approached by an animator, director, producer that wanted to have a meeting with us. And I see your schedule that you're off this day. Do you mind doing a Zoom meeting with this guy? Okay, what's it about? Well, it's a surprise. Okay, whatever. I mean, she she comes out of the blue with some stuff, and I'm like, that's not, I don't want to be an actor. I don't know what you're doing because I've, I've, she's given me some scripts before too, and I'm like, no, nah, that's not really what I want to do. But this guy fell in love with us, and he wanted to do a cartoon with us. And um, mm. we're in the process of putting this thing together. We already have the the script wet, written, the outline of season one. Heck, uh, uh, if you say an outline, what is even thinner than that? Not another yeah, uh, an outline. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. another thing of an outline for season two and three as well. Yeah. But we have an outline with That's each great. episode for season one. And uh, we have a, a big name entertainer that's already signed on saying that they want to do the voice for one of the characters. And uh, we have a big meeting with Gotham Group and, uh, on the 17th of January. So we're excited. We're, I never wanted a cartoon before, but it's magic themed, and it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome. So hopefully that comes off the ground. But. That is That's exciting. Cool. Yeah. That's pretty cool. We'll have you know, to check in with you down the line, and you know, and see what, how that's going. Sometimes the process of the anticipation and the buildup of the project is the fun part. You know, you have the meeting. We want to buy your television show, Natalie. We have another Zoom thing for the for the television show. They want us. Right, yeah. But then when you do it. It ended up being all on me. I had mm. to put the commercials in the episode. I had to send my, uh. my episodes off to get uh, closed caption. I had to put the blank spots in the episodes. I had to edit the episodes, or else I'd have to pay somebody else to do it. But I, I'm an okay editor. I can do that. And then I had to put – it ended up being a lot of work. Mm -hmm. This first part is awesome. So I'm <laughs> getting that for the cartoon. They're taking care of all that. So, yeah. That's good. That's awesome. Hey, um, our – can you do a, a trick on our podcast here? I'm sure, but man, hold on. I got give me give me two seconds. Ask her a question, I'll find something. We, That's fun. Tell her about your sizes. Oh. Oh, yeah. Okay. So when I had the twins, I gained a lot of weight and I had never really been happy with how much I had gotten off when I had my daughter. And then it just I ballooned up with twins. Um and then I just couldn't lose it and so um 
I found a health program that really worked for me and was really simple. I didn't have to you know, count calories, count this, count that, take a pill, take a shot, do anything like that. And it just was good, healthy nutrition. It's easy. That was a big thing. I mean, we have twins, we have, I'm homeschooling, I'm running a business, this, that, another thing. And so it was very important that I, it was easy. And um, so I decided to become a health coach with that health program. So I've mm. done that. I've been able to help other people um, lose their weight as well and just get healthy and feel better and have the energy and everything else. And I just, I know when I finally reached out to somebody about it, I had, uh, you know, I had really disappointed myself because I was becoming um, a sideline mom. And I finally realized that when my daughter came up to me one day and she was just like, hey, mom, can you do this with me? And I just looked at her and I don't know how many times I've told her, but it finally hit me that night that I had told her dozens of times, not right now, honey, I'm too tired. And mm. I was like, I, I got to change. I got to shift. Something has to happen. I'm not happy with me. And I'm not happy with the mom I'm becoming. So it really it changed my life in so many ways. And I told Wes when I started, I was like, no, you have magic just your passion you're so passionate about it and you love it so much I'm like I love doing magic but I don't have that passion and with health coaching I have that and it's really I really like it a lot so I overhear conversations she has with people and they're like you know what is your what is your reason you want to lose weight and she was like I, I, I didn't fit on the roller coaster with my teenage daughter and you hmm. hear her crying and then Natalie starts crying and they're together helping each other and it's like the magic of giving it's you're yeah. giving them something and you're helping them and you're you're being there when you say a coach really they just need a friend and somebody they can talk to and somebody that's there for them on their side helping them right. out you're not yelling at them telling them put the put, put the, the cake down yeah. no you're just a, i'm more of a guide and accountability so and it's really been a lot of fun because i've been able to see people transform their lives and in turn, that gives me joy as well. And it's just, it, yeah, it is like one of those things where you, when you're out giving to people, it gives you so much more. And that's what I found with this. It's just, it's been fun. It's been amazing. So, I'm that's fantastic. Yeah, that's awesome. I have, I, I don't know what I have. I have a, a, a trick deck of cards. All right. So I'm going to, I don't know if I can do this. A trick deck of cards. A trick deck? No, no. You go back. Go back. Okay. Go back. Okay. I'm going to be up to camera here. It looks like a regular deck. Does that look normal? Yeah. It's a trick deck. I'm going to go that slow. Just tell me when to stop. Stop. Right there or a little bit more? Uh, a little bit before that. Oh, go back. Yeah. Stop. Okay. This card here. I'm going to see it. Oh, let me turn it that way. Nine of diamonds. You got it? Uh-huh. Watch. <laughs> Jump to the top. Ready? Watch, watch. I'll cut it into the middle. I'm trying to do this for camera here. The nine is here. It goes in the middle. Stop again whenever you want. Stop. Right there. That's a nine of diamonds. You get the same one. Something different. Something different. Let's try again real quick. Okay. Stop. Right there. You take out that. That's a nine. Here, look, if I have nine, Natalie, put your hand here so they can see it. Put your hand flat where they can see it. Perfect. Watch. Here is a jack of spades, nine of that. You can tell those apart, right, guys? 
Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So watch. The nine goes through your elbow. I'm trying to do it on camera here. Yeah. And they switch. Now I have the jack. She has the nine. <laughs> I don't know what you guys are getting. If you do it too many times, the thing is, people think you have more than one nine. I do. I have like a whole deck of them. <laughs> That's fantastic. Wow. If you do it too many times, people think you have more than one nine. I do. But it's a, it's a trick deck because they can go back to normal. I only have one nine, really, and I keep it on top. But if you look at it, it looks like it starts to dematerialize. <laughs> we didn't say Very that. fun. That, that is awesome. That is great. I'm always fascinated by magic because it's just, I, I can't ever figure it out. So that's, that's I, I bought a book as a little kid, and the only thing I remember is you would take like a needle and thread and you would cut a banana while it was still peeled. And that's the only one I remember. That's a good one. That's a good one. You, you, you force a card on somebody, a three of hearts, and you open a banana and skin three slices. Yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> that's cool. So last question. What is it that your partner does that you know they love you? You start. He just shows me in, in different ways. Just, I mean, he'll just come up and give me a hug or a kiss or he'll tell me, you know, after I've, clean the whole house hey it looks good and that to me that is love because he's acknowledged that i've done something for everybody not me chopping the firewood and making that does yes and we he, have electric heat fires. we don't need this fireplace in the winter time when i'm freezing cold yes i do i love that we also have blankets she doesn't really need fires but she likes to look I at like, them i like the fire it warms me up no so um i felt I felt a bond, and uh, I can tell her all day long I love her. I can I can marry her. I can I can do all these things, but me being there for her in the hospital and and seeing her at her weakest and and carrying her to the bathroom to help her change, to help her shower, to comb her hair, to be there for her in the hospital. I think that should have. Uh, I got brownie points for that for the rest of my life. I, that was. And that also bonded me to her. I loved her so much. And it, yeah, it, it was like, you know, uh, I was in shock. I was, I was, I was a mess. And my little girl saw it happen. She was 10 at the time or 11. I would go to the, I would go to the gas station or grocery store and I forget my wallet. And the clerk was like, Hey, sir, your wallet. I'm so sorry. My wife's in the hospital. And I just started screaming and just, you know, it was like, I wanted to tell everybody, I, I I don't know why, but yeah, my wife means everything to me. And I think that showed both of us at that time how much she means to me. Because, you know, I thought, of, I thought I'd lost her. She passed out um, with the pancreatitis. They told her it was just gas. There's no symptoms of anything else. Just lay on your side. It'll pass. We just had to go in and do exploratory surgery. And then um, that night, she was just whimpering and crying. She gave birth to all three of our kids without any medication at all, not even a top Tylenol. And um, we know she's tough, but when she's like, am I going to die? But it took her five minutes to say that sentence. And on die, her eyes rolled back in her head and she passed out. I'm jumping over her, hitting the call button, yelling for people down the hallway. I was a mess. I was just, I thought I lost her. And she means the world to me. And not only is she my assistant, not only is she my wife, not only is she the mother of my kids, she's my best friend and she means everything to me. Yeah. So I don't know. Did that answer the question or is it just No, what does she do? 
that you know she loves you. Uh, what doesn't she do? She pays the bills. She cooks dinner. She takes care of my kids. She homeschools my daughter. Um, she's she is the person that I learn a new trick and I run to her and show her first. <laughs> she is my biggest cheerleader. She, uh, what doesn't she do? I, I don't know what I can say. She, she's everything. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. I'll, I'll need therapy if something ever happened to her. I will need help. I just I I know, I, and the kids aren't going to be enough. It's yeah, my mother-in-law said they were really worried about me while yeah. you were in the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She, she's everything. Yeah. I'm so, I, I, you know, and another thing, I, I, I'm i a Christian, and I say, you know, God had to beat me over the head. I had a lot of girlfriends before Natalie, and I thought I wanted this, 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 and this. And once I saw her, I was like, I had to be, I felt like a pinball machine bouncing back and forth from type to type until I saw Natalie. Natalie's way taller than me. That's not going to work. But everything in every way, she's perfect for me. And I'm so happy. Yeah. That is awesome. Wes and Natalie, thank you so much for being on our podcast today. This was really fun. People have been sharing stories since the beginning of time to bond and heal and grow. And we hope that by you guys sharing your story, it's enriched your lives and the lives of our listeners. I want to thank all of you for joining us today on Couple Synergy. Our passion is in helping couples and people have happy and healthy relationships. And this podcast gives us a fun way of bringing our knowledge and expertise to you, our listeners. For all of you listening, please let us know how you enjoyed the show. If you have any questions, comments, or topic suggestions, please email us at contact at couplesynergy.com. For more information about Couple Synergy and our programs, such as Relationship 101, the home study course, the next Couples Relationship Enhancement Weekend, and our premier couples coaching program, Program called Couple to Couple. Look us up online at couplesynergy.com. And if you know someone who could benefit from this episode, please download it and share it. And thank you for listening. Until next time, synergize your life and synergize your love. You have been listening to Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Couple Synergy was recorded, edited, and produced by Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Voiceover and music entitled Breathe and Let Go was recorded and composed by Gina Gonzalez.